At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every sight that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase, shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, Episode 7, Blood Special Edition. This is not just one myth from one society for you guys. It's a whole handful of myths from all continents, all different times, all different traditions, explaining something that apparently is very fundamental to human society, great floods and great destruction and exciting renewal. You guys know Noah, but I don't think you guys know these other myths. We go from China, we go to Africa, we go to Mesopotamia, Europe, Mesopotamia, Mesoamerica, Mesoamerica. We go to Arizona. That's where the Hopi are, right? Uh, yes, we go across the land bridge from Asia to North America, folks. We're going all the way back and up to the present day to bring you flood myths from throughout the ages. We'd like to thank everyone who's rated and reviewed us on iTunes. We really appreciate you guys going out there and taking some time to write us up a quick message. It's like super nice to read. Amanda and I were just giggling over our most recent one. It warms the the depths of our heart. It sends a flood of emotion over us. That was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing new listeners to the show really is the best way to support us. We also, of course, have a Patreon where we're putting all kinds of exciting show notes and sober reflections on our drunken selves. Um, It is a lot of fun for us to put together our Patreon only content every episode so we'd love if more of you could join us over there you only need a donation of three dollars or more to get some really awesome content yes and we hope that we'll see you over there today we are drinking cruiser cocktails in honor of our flood cruise ship type motif don't question it just go with it uh the best i can say for this cocktail is if you have coconut rum to get rid of and also some orange or pineapple juice it's an acceptable method Not our best cocktail, but if you check out our Patreon page, you can get a recipe card with these uh, ingredients and instructions in case you want to, I don't know, play along. Hey Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next-day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Cons today and find out what invincible feels like. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 7 Flood Edition.
so Amanda and I, when we were like nine, ten, probably something like that, we were in the same like Catholic school religion class. We were. It's like the thing that we would go to after real school to get our um, like confirmation, not confirmation, communion classes, I guess. Communion and then confirmation, right? It was Sunday yeah. school, but it was after school. Yeah, it was time. weird. We, we didn't go to like a Catholic school or anything. We went to a normal school and then the church was like three blocks away. Yes, it was held at a Catholic school, mm-hmm. but we went to a public school and just went there after our normal class hours had ended for like an hour of religious instruction to get our communion and then confirmation. But most importantly, we were able to stop at the pizza parlor in between school and religious ed to yes. get a slice of pizza. And also like the like not 7-Eleven, but drugstore one where you can the, go get like... The suburban bodega. Yes, uh, the suburban... <laughs> suburban bodega. <laughs> suburban bodega. Suburban bodega. Suburb- I can't, no. Okay. <laughs> not going to happen. Continuing? Um, where you get like candy and shit before. Candy and newspapers. And like kind of sneak it into your mouth while you're trying to learn about like... Oh yeah, there was no shit. food or gum permitted in this Catholic school. And yet... <laughs> so I specifically remember buying a messenger bag for myself at Limited 2. Oh my God. With my Christmas money. Oh my God. That that had a strap in the, or rather that had a pocket in the strap that because they could tell if you're reaching into a bag for something, but they couldn't tell if you're reaching into your strap of your messenger bag. There's no pockets there normally. <laughs> so you would draw out your box of nerds or your Milky Way or something. Well, you don't do box of nerds. It's way too loud. It's way too loud. You're anyway, right. Anyway, the no, point you of the story the Milky being, Way. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the point of this story being, Amanda, we'll talk about sneaky snack choices later. Mm-hmm. Was that we both kind of learned the story of um, Noah and the Ark together. We did. Yes. And the flood myth is like, you know, most people know the story of Noah and the Ark, right? Like, we yes. can agree. We both kind of know. Yes. What Noah the gets fuck a premonition, builds a gigantic. Whoa, okay. Noah gets a, a dispatch from God. Yes. What, what are they? Oh, uh, it's another synonym I'm not thinking about. Yeah. God delivers a prophecy unto Jonah. Yes. And Jonah. Noah. <laughs> no whales. We'll do whales later. So God brings a prophecy unto Noah. He says, you got to gather up all the animals and all your family. Build a giant boat. Build a giant boat. Because I'm going to just inexplicably know how to do. It's fine. Because I'm going to flood the earth. Right. Exactly. Cleanse the earth. And what's left at the end mm-hmm. is this kind of curated group of, of animals yes. that Noah has somehow uh, you know, miraculously and divinely uh, fit into his boat. It's like divine eugenics. Uh, probably he would call it a, a cleansing uh, flood. Yes. But yes. <laughs> but basically the same concept. Sure. God is pressing the reset button, as it were. Yes. That's the story that we learned. But did you know, Amanda, that there's flood stories from like all different kinds of cultures? Hmm. I feel like I recall learning a little bit about Nile flood lore, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know that there were great flood stories from other cultures. Yeah, basically every culture has a flood story. Hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about those today because they're interesting in where they're different, but also the fact that they're really, really similar. Interesting. And we're going to kind of see why that is and, you know, what people give reason to and shit like that so i'm in all right let's get some metaphorical resonance cross culture so we're gonna start like pretty close to like abrahamic like middle eastern kind of thing we're gonna start with mesopotamia great so love it i did my like fifth grade ancient cultures report on mesopotamia because everyone knows mesopotamia it's like the first real culture true um so basically if you look at like 
Mesopotamia's written history, it's broken down into like pre-flood clay tablets because they use cuneiform. Oh, thank you for bringing up that sixth grade knowledge of Mesopotamia. <laughs> really appreciate it. Um, so proud of that knowledge. <laughs> so basically, their history is broken up into pre-flood and post-flood. Cool. Their story of the flood is the tale of Ziasudra. Cool. Um, basically, it dates back to the 17th century BCE, which is actually before oh, shit. the Genesis flood myth. That that shit is far back. Yeah, way, way far. Like, wow. Like, people were barely people. <laughs> people were barely people then. We had no language. <laughs> it wasn't a Thinking thing. about it takes us back to an animal state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. They had to, like, carbon date the clay tablets, probably, actually. So in the tale of Ziasudra, the council of gods decides that they're going to send a flood to destroy mankind. Like, no real reason. Okay, two questions. Go ahead. The gods have a council? Yeah. It's like, okay, so you know how, like, Mount Olympus, we talked about the Greeks. You guys know the Greeks. We know. We got it. Yes. We're good. So there's, like, a bunch of people. Yeah, but that that's like a, like a you know, a patrimony, like a hierarchy. Okay. There's, you well, know. Well, this one is more like, not democracy, because no one's, like... It's a panel or yeah, a round table? it's a panel. It's a round table of gods. They're, like, in a meeting I about... really like that, though. I like that idea. Like, all the gods have their specialties. Mm-hmm. One of them is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and they come together. I was going to say, like, you know, they're discussing third quarter... Um, like earnings. Earnings. Yeah. Yep. They're like, the humans aren't doing it for us, so they're like, we're going to restart. Cool. So... Wait, I'm sorry. The second question is, what did humans do to merit this reset? There's no real Who reason. Knows? Uh, it's a really patchy story. Like, a lot of the pieces oh, are Oh, I'm missing. sorry. I forgot. It was 3,000 years ago. Um, it was more <laughs> than that. 3,500 years ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the god Enki, who's... Okay. He's the god of the underworld sea of fresh water. Makes sense. Like, I'm yeah, there. but yep. like, the, also, that's not really a thing in any other mythology. This is like super Mesopotamian. Yeah, They're like, yeah. where do we get our fresh water from? Underground river. Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he reaches out to this dude, uh, Ziasudra, who is like the ruler of this major city in Mesopotamia. A human dude. A human dude. Okay. Yes. And so he goes, like, listen, we're going to flood the earth. Mm. It's coming. And so he basically tells him he has to build a large boat. Great. I'm seeing the resonances. Also, I'd like to point out that you said reach out, which is one of my favorite corporate phrases. Um, and also, like, this god of the the salty undersea. No, fresh undersea. The fresh undersea. I'm so sorry. Um, sent him a memo, essentially. Yeah, basically. He was like, yeah, listen up. I'm going to send you an email. I'm not CCing any of the other gods. No, no. It's one-to-one. No BCC. So he does that. um, No BCC under the sea. Oh! Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't. I can't deal with you tonight. I am my own best hype man. You really are. (laughs) Um, So there's, like, a whole section that's lost about... He actually tells him how to build the boat. Makes sense. Which is crazy. Um, But it's it's gone now. Because Noah was just... Left with, yeah. like, no instruction manual and a hammer. Pretty much. Um, so Ziasudra piles a bunch of people from his city into the boat. It gets tossed around by the waters of the flood. Um, while they're, like, kind of chilling there, um, he, while they're, like, you know, floating on top of the flood mm-hmm. and stuff, he sees the uh, sun god, Ulu. And Ulu is, like, you know, a big fucking deal on the council and shit like that. So. Oh, sure. The sun is a is a... 
big deal. Right. So he prostrates himself. He sacrifices an ox and a sheep. Cool. And then the flood ends. Nice. Like Ulu was like, hey, he like gave me an ox and a sheep. So I think we're good. Uh, yeah, we're even. That's a lot. Yeah. Um. So. So sorry to be clear, the god or the human did the sacrificing? Uh, the human did the sacrificing. Okay. How did he know to do it? Or just like you it's see just, the god and you just do it. Yeah. It's just yeah, like, okay. it's like if Zeus came in front like of you and like, let me kill this ox for you right now. <laughs> um, I, you guys didn't see that, but I made it like a, a neck slashing <laughs> and kind of he thing. He just, he casually saw yeah. it off the neck of the goat <laughs> totally or whatever. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so the flood ends, the people are saved. Zia Sudra thanks the god specifically on the sky god. Cause he's also a big deal. He's very like Zeus-esque and a god called Enlil, who is the god of Lord Breath or eternal life. That seems like a worthy thing to assign a god to. I think so. Um, so them being like, you know, you did good. You realized you were at fault. You sacrificed some stuff. You yeah. did a good job. They give him eternal life or dope breath eternal. Um, that makes total sense. So like, like a god is breathing into you yeah. a, a force that will animate you forever. Kind of like how Adam got the life of god breathed into him and that's how he became human um not as familiar with that part of genesis but yes i believe you we're gonna talk about that at some point i'm sure dope um so he then you know is eternal now and he gets sent to this paradise garden like super similar to eden dope which was like it was an actual city but like the people who lived at southern mesopotamia it was in northern mesopotamia they're like mm-hmm. that's like a garden of fantasy and delight and right like, that's, it's literally that's just a 400 miles city. away it's so nice <laughs> Um, so that's the Mesopotamia myth. You can kind of see where the biblical story like gets its kind of yes, foundation it's from stuff right. like that. So that's pretty cool. Also in that area, we have the Babylonian story. Yeah. So the Babylonian story is like probably out of all of them, the most similar to the Genesis story. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the one featuring Gilgamesh. And do you know who Gilgamesh is? I've heard about him as a literary figure. <laughs> yes. And that's who he is. Yes. Okay. Um, so he's basically like this hero of Babylonian story. He like tries to reclaim death. He does, like, a bunch of stuff that, like, any mythological hero would do. Mm -hmm. But in this story, he's basically Noah. It's the same story, um, but they make a point of saying, like, oh, he saves all the animals, too. So, like, in the Mesopotamian one... It was just humans. It was just humans, except for, like... I guess they brought a couple of like livestock on to, to feed themselves. To feed themselves, right? Up to the and that makes sense to me. Like it's up to the gods to repopulate the the fruits right. of the earth. Like we the like, humans are going to save ourselves yeah. until we get to Gilgamesh, and they're like, "You need to bring all these animals on." And he's like, he's like "Fuck, okay, I, I guess we can do that." Fine, That's fine, I guess. Um, but basically, the Genesis story, same concept: the getting into the boat, gods flood the earth. He like is sorry about stuff and then they stop flooding it. <laughs> Wait, so in in the in the Noah version, mm-hmm. does he repent and that stops the flood? I thought God was just like 40 days, it's going to happen. Yeah. Come out the other side, you're already righteous. Right, pretty much. Um Noah's one like kind of sacrifices he sends the dove out, I guess, and that's like it comes back oh, and to sort of signal the Yeah. Yeah. He's like we're good. We're and good. And so in Gilgamesh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, in the Mesopotamian story. Yeah. Was a humankind, like, repenting for sins? Like, why? Or did they just, like, correctly decide to sacrifice in the face of the sun? I think it's kind of super, like, um, did you see the really bad, um, the Titans movie? Clash of the Titans? With the, uh, somewhat hot guy from Avatar, isn't it? No, I don't think so. And play Zeus? No, I don't think so. So basically, the whole concept is, like, the humans aren't worshipping us enough. 
They're not giving okay. us, like, the praise that we deserve. So let me show you our mighty power? Exactly. Right. Okay. So that's kind of where that they're the at. Okay, yeah. got it. Sorry. So the next story we're going to talk about, we have a bunch of stories, because there are a shit ton of myth- flood stories. Bring it. Uh, Hinduism. I'm thirsty for these floods. I know you... Oh, my fucking God. Boom! <laughs> I'm on a roll! I was gonna, like, actually go along with that, but I'm like, nope, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> I refuse. Wait, sorry. So just to, just to round up the Babylonian myth, mm-hmm. um, it's notable because it's just like Noah, and there were animals included, and that's that. Yeah, and it was before the actual Genesis story. So, Hinduism. Several texts include a bunch of stories about a great flood, but the most, like, prominent story is the story of Matsya, who's a avatar of Vishnu, who's, like, the mm-hmm. supreme god in Hinduism. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about Hinduism at some point, but it's his avatar, which is a certain, like, form of the main god, and it takes the form of a fish. Cool. You know, so he warns the first man, um, kind of like their version of Adam, right. uh, whose name is... Way too on the nose, Manu. Oh, Manu, of course, yeah. yeah. So he warns him that there's the impending flood and that he should build a boat. A lot of pressure on this first man. Like, this is just like, hey, person, you're the first man. Also, we're going to flood your entire earth. Learn how to build a boat, bitch. Learn how to build a boat, pushing you out of the nest. Welcome to life. (laughs) And kind of the important difference between the hinduism story and like all the others is that matsya kind of is like okay listen you're gonna be in a boat for a really long time and we're gonna destroy the earth you know what you should do collect all the green all the different plants in the world you should collect and bring on the boat with you also that's a thing that we have we have seed banks that are in the arctic or in the antarctic one of them (laughs) one of the poles of the earth we do we have facilities of i'm trying to remember which pole it is yeah no i don't know i mean it it could i think it is north it could also be in like canada or alaska or somewhere um really far the nordic countries anyway point being we have a you know very very cold seed bank where if humanity were to go to shit it might be in iceland actually um we have you know little samples of all of the heirloom yeah. fruits and vegetables that we can and uh one of our favorite movies mad max fury road it's true also has that kind of concept where she has the bag full of seeds and stuff to repopulate she the does. earth with so the next one we're gonna go to is one of my favorites bet you didn't know that the greeks had a flood story yo yo my face back to the greeks yeah so basically it's this idea that um there were like different generations of humans, which mm-hmm. like the Greeks kind of got right. Like they're they're like, war. like society, like versions of society. Right. Yeah. So um, basically they're like the gods aren't happy with the bronze race of people. Mm-hmm. Zeus is being like hella racist against the bronze mm-hmm. people. Like, don't do that. Uh, and this is a story told by Plato. So Plato is also being kind of racist against. Oh, these yeah. Bronze people. Classic Plato. Um so they were constantly, like, making war and pissing off Zeus, like, just being douchebags and not worshipping enough, which is a common theme. I'm sensing a theme, yeah. So he punishes them by causing a flood because he's, like, the sky god, you know? He can Makes do whatever sense. the fuck he wants. So Prometheus... Fire person. Yes, he's always been a fan of humans. He's the one who gave us fire. He's the one who, like, Dope. brought us out from being huddling, scared Children. Good one, Prometheus. We were cold. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Also, meat tastes better now. Sorry that you uh, got your liver picked out by an eagle every single day because of it. <laughs> oh, like, right. That's true. Not super cool. Literal worst. God, what are the Greeks doing all day that they had Thinking to, like... the worst ways to get punished. They in had to, like, invent styles of Socratic dialogue and also terrible liver myths. <laughs> <laughs> so, Prometheus 
hearing what Zeus is going to do, tells his son, who's human, well, demigod, but like human, okay. uh, Deucalion, that he is needs to build an ark. So he, just saving his son. Yeah. So did he get punished for that? Or already getting lured out? Getting Who knows? Up. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter either way. Interesting. So what were the consequences of the flood? Killed all of the Bronze Age humans. Oh, and reset Bro- the thing. Reset it, and that's what brought about like the Golden Age Hellenic, uh, right? Alexander yeah. type thing. The Greeks, Interesting. the real Greeks, also pretty racist. Yeah, super super <laughs> racist. Not um, not a fan of that one. Thanks, Greeks. sorry. Plato. Then we kind of get away from Europe a little bit, which is good. Great, because what I did want to point out is this is all kind of around the like Indian Ocean and Mediterranean basin, mm-hmm. um, and I mean like that's where early societies were. Yeah. Obviously, the f- f- cradle. What is it called? The, f- the fertile crescent. The fertile crescent. There, the cradle of humanity, etc., yes. etc. Um, not the cradle of aviation, which is an excellent museum in Westbury, Long Island. And I work there. <laughs> if you should ever find yourself uh, with kids, something to do. Anyway, so it makes total sense. Like they depend on on seasonal flooding to you know make their their farms fertile and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like flooding is a Big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal. And if it's wrong, there's serious consequences for mm. all of society. So it makes total sense. But where are we going outside of Europe? We're going to Africa. Excellent. Literal cradle of humanity. Yes. Um, so it's really interesting because a lot of the African myths are very similar, despite the fact that um, a bunch of tribes and civilizations have like kind of different twists on it. But mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about like the basic concept, but like they're... We're going to talk about the Maasai version of the story. So, it, like you were saying, the rivers flood. It's not just like a giant flood. It's mm-hmm. like the rivers are specifically flooding. And so in order to save uh, the human race, um, the supreme god, which, like, you know, there's a lot of different mythology and different deities in Africa, mm-hmm. but there's always a concept of a supreme god. Even yeah, like thousands of tribes and languages, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so the supreme god tells two people to get into a ship. He tells them to take lots of seeds and lots of animals. Not all of them, just like, you know, the ones that they like. Yep. Um, So the flood rises so high that it covers the mountains. Like, that's a really specific one. Oh, wow, yeah. straight up covers all the mountains. That's quite an image, right? Yeah, Yeah. seriously. The humans allow a dove, a dove, Mm. and a hawk loose. So the dove returns, but the hawk does not. So, like, basically it's Mm. like the dove was like, okay, so, like, things are cool. But the the hawk is like, there's food out there. I'm going to find it. Oh, yeah. That's really sweet. I like that. It is cool, right? And it's, I mean, again, it's super similar to that Genesis myth, but that's like, you know, it's not that the Genesis myth is like the correct one. It's just like, it's the one that we know the best. Right. You and I know the best. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also kind of in our, you know, our, our cultural canon. And so switching up continents again, we're going to China. Dope. East Asia. Bring it. So China probably has like the longest flood story in duration of the timeline of the story yes okay so like you know we're used to the 40 days and 40 nights yes the chinese one time calamitous flood right the chinese uh flood actually takes place over two generations wow so um oh i'm having an idea for a ya novel now (laughs) like do you know that there's there's so there's this um fantasy series that was self-published on Amazon called Wool. Okay. It's the Silo series. And the whole idea, like the City of Ember novels, if you mm-hmm. recall those, is yes. like humanity has to live underground because something terrible happened, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There are twists. It's actually a really great series. Oh, no, it's really good. Hugh Howie, I think, is the Wool author and then the City of Ember series. Anyway, what I'm saying is, you know, what what is the generation that was born and died in the flooded world? That's amazing. Yeah, I want to write about that. It's crazy good. So what did, what did China okay. have to say? So um, basically it's like it's 
a big theme for them is like displacement because people had to, once the flooding happened, people had to leave their homes for the high hills and the mountains or like start living as tree people, like mm. tree houses for sure. the wind, like just hanging out in trees. Basically, the whole thing is like major rivers flooded uh, and then the kingdom tries to contain it. Uh, there okay. was a prince. His name was Prince Gun. Uh, that that's his name. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he had a gun and they named him Prince Gun. Whatever. Um, so he uses this idea of this like self-expanding soil called uh, Shirang, uh, which he steals from the supreme uh, divinity. So self-expanding like kitty litter, like you toss a handful of salt and it becomes soil. Yeah, kind of type thing. Right. So he wants to use that to kind of like work the rivers and dams and stuff, you know, like make actual like walls that'll keep the rivers from flooding and stuff. Oh, I see. So like a, a kind of like smart putty yes. to dam in the rivers. Yes. Cool. Um, so he tries to use that, but the Supreme divinity finds out and he like knocks over all the dams and like punishes him and the flood continues. I like how I said smart soil. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a it's a, it's a, like a Wi-Fi enabled fridge. Yeah. <laughs> like a smart device. Sure. I like that idea that the soil is like, Hey, palace, bad things. Ah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Circuitry doesn't mix well. Um, so from there, like a bunch of different people kind of to try and like end the flood through acts of heroism. Like that's a really big focus. Like, Oh, this person tried this and they saved this many people, but they're, Oh sure. But overall they were unsuccessful. That's really nice though. Like kind of individual, ultimately futile, but still noble human mm-hmm. acts of self-sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so basically none are successful until Gunson comes in you. Um, and so you opens up the paths of the rivers and streams to the ocean to help them drain out. And he kind of gets this idea from the god Hebo, who's the god of the Yellow River, which is like a big river for, um, like, civilized China at that point. Yes. Um, So he kind of makes... The Nile of East, if you will. Yeah. Um, So he kind of makes him, like, a map. He's like, this is how the rivers go. Here's where the ocean is. This is what you have to do. And he was like, all right, thanks, bro. That's That's also really cool as well. Like, you you know, you can't work against nature. You can't build up walls to keep it in, but you can work with the topography, right? Like, you can, you know, give the river a natural outlet to do what it's meant to do. You can't Mm -hmm. stop up the tide, but you can help it go somewhere better. And there's, like, a whole thing where this is kind of the story of how they understand understand how to do like irrigation and stuff Dope. like that i love so agriculture good. good job china um so terrace like, farming so really if you're looking at it china has like the most realistic flood story and like yes. also like the this is a natural like, event this right. is a thing that happened and we like got past it and now we're better people for it i love that isn't that like yeah. so great so we're gonna jump continents again we're going to North America. Excellent. Um, so the second greatest America. <laughs> okay. Um, we're gonna go to. There's a bunch of different Native American myths. For this one, we're gonna go to the Hopi tribe. The Native Americans have a bunch of different myths because there's so many different uh, cultures tribes, and tribes regions, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but these are the ones who kind of have the most specific flood story and mm-hmm. like maybe the longest one and kind of the most like, I feel like the Hopi have a lot of water based right. um, lore. Despite the fact that they were lived in a desert. Yeah. But mm-hmm. water was precious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Basically the whole story of the flood is that it leads to the fourth world. So the Hopi break down their history into the first world, the second world, the third world, the fourth world, which is the one we live in now. Oh, they were sequential. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, but they're different like periods of time and different like, yes, 
eras. Different eras for the tribe. Cool. Basically, the god Tawa destroyed the third world with a great flood. Mm -hmm. Before it happens, though, Spider Grandmother, which is like the best name for any god ever. I love that. I love it. Tell me more. Um, So she seals all the righteous people, kind of like the rapture. Um, The righteous meaning the good ones. Yes. Yes. Um, In hollow reeds. Oh, like giant no. hollow reeds, like just put all the people in there. That's so cool. That's um, like a grain silo, but for a person. Yes. Um, which they use as boats to float around during the flood. That's awesome. Canoes. Yeah. Um, so it takes a while, but finally, like all these people land on an island. So they get out of their like little reed reeds, boats. Yeah. Um, and they look around, but all they see is like water everywhere else. Right. Then Spider Grandmother reappears to them. She says, look, these islands are stepping stones to the new world and that you people can use it to sail east until they reach it. Was this the Asia to America that's, myth? That's the but assumption. Yes. Yeah. Isn't oh, that cool? so cool. So cool. So you really can kind of see them going from like China area and then taking the Polynesian islands all the way until America. I was thinking up over the land bridge into Alaska and down. Possibly. But, like, either way, if you see where the Hopi are and kind of, like, see the island layout, it kind of makes more sense for it to be Polynesian. But that's just my opinion. I am not a I don't think they had an awareness of the, of the, you know, continents of the West, though. In any case, the fact that they canonically, actually, human beings came over a land bridge from Africa up through East Asia into the North, you know, American yeah. continent. That is dope. Isn't that cool as shit? Good job, Hopi. Also, any Native or Indigenous listeners, we would love to hear about your mythology and, and tribe folklore, so please get in touch. Yes. Um, and we're going to talk about the last one, which Great. is Mesoamerica. Cool. Um, so scholars kind of have a weird like debate about the Mesoamerican thing, because there's, there's like arguments that are like, well, clearly when the Spanish came over, they brought their Genesis stories with them and these were influenced by them. Okay. But others say like these are stories that have persisted way before the Columbian exchange. But there's a couple of interesting different ones. Cool. So I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to start with like a super weird one just because I thought it was like really interesting. Bring it. So, After Spider-Gram, I don't know if you can uh, if you can top this, though. OK, um, so. A man and his dog are the sole survivors of the flood. Excellent. Sounds like on the road. Uh, The man goes hunting one day and comes back, and the dog has taken the shape of a woman. Uh, fine. (laughs) They repopulate the earth. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So this weird, like, half-dog lady and this guy. Yeah, but also, like, also, like, the, the, like, dude hero you know, dream of like my only companion is my dog. Oh wait, it's a hot woman. Everyone wins. And by everyone, I mean the man. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) The more things change, the more they say the same. Um, So the Aztecs have another story where it's basically human couple survives the flood. Great. Uh, This time they survived um, without God intervention uh, by hiding out in a hollow vessel. So smart. They're smart, basically, until they start cooking fish because they need to eat. The gods smell the smoke in the cooking meat. Oh, shit. And then they get turned into either dogs or monkeys. It depends on the translation. And then what happens to humans? No. Nah. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a religious or mythological story where the gods have a sense of smell. Yeah. You no, know? Well, God does in uh, Genesis. Has a sense of smell? Yeah. 
what happens? He like, so if you look at the story of Cain and Abel, Abel is more favored because he makes meat sacrifices. And it says in the story, like, God likes the smell of burning meat. Oh. So like. Man. Yeah. Genesis is weird because it's got two versions in it. It's got like uh, the priestly version and yeah. the um fit for you know uh church consumption right and the Yahweh's <laughs> version um and one is more like god is omnipotent and like you know he's just a floating being made yeah. of light and energy and then the other one is like god is like a dude kind of like the like zeus is a dude like right he walks around he smells has a body stuff he like stuff. gets on the ground to make adam instead of just like snapping his fingers and then a human being right. there so Wow. Pulls Eve out of Adam right from yes. it. Wow. So, I have to, we have to re- revisit the, uh, the God smell at some we point. We might have to do some Genesis talk at some point too. I like it. All right. And then the last one is a Mayan story. So the Mayan gods tried to create creatures that would worship them. They do it like three different times and they're just not happy with the results. Um, and do humans exist or humans don't exist No, yet? they're making creatures. I see. And then finally they come up with humans, um, And so they decide, okay, we're going to make these humans later, but first we got to destroy all our other beings. The prototypes. um, Who were all made of wood. Okay, convenient. Yeah. Set them on fire? Yeah. Well, no, flood. Uh, As as I said it, I thought, wait, Amanda, what is... is, This is a flood story. What is the thing that the other eight stories we've covered have in common? Flood story. It's water. So, yeah. Um, So, basically, it's always really interesting because it's like... A select number of people always survive. Usually there's God intervention in all of our flood stories. Um, It's usually because they're like righteous or favored. Mm -hmm. But like there's no one, no one's like particularly like wily, like except for that one story where um, the human couple survived, but then got turned into dogs. Right. Um, Like no one's like, oh, there's a flood coming. There's something coming. They're like Let me something's help. happening. Yeah. I got to do something about it. Like, it's never really right. like that. It's like they need that intervention from they're the told gods. They're told what to do. Other, otherwise, they, they're like idiots and they're going to drown. They rise to the occasion. Yeah. And then, like, you know, it kind of it? goes. It's about floating. Yes. Rise to the occasion. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we were talking about Kelpies and Selkies with, like, water representing, like, death, but also renewal and life. Exactly. And, you know, bring yeah. it all together. Destruction and uh, that newer, purer and cleaner world. Yeah. Right. A big, a big cleansing tide. Yeah. I love it. Gotta love those. Oh, so basically from like a historical perspective, most historians can kind of like come to the agreement like, wow, all these myths have flood stories. There was probably a flood at some point. Yeah. But like yeah. all these, all of these cultures probably aren't making this shit up. Yes, and like, you know, seasonal flooding is one thing, but certainly a calamitous flood event, you know, happening to all of these, you know, uh, whatever you call them, ancient civilizations, foundational mm-hmm. civilizations, um, it would make total sense that you, you know, fold that into myth. Yeah, pretty much. And I feel like this is something that we forget in this day and age. Like, we talk about, you know, the coming eco-apocalypse, right? Like, the, the you know, the global warming is going to ruin the world as we know it, or I think maybe now that we have a longer view of our planet as not being eternal you know like we realize that that planets are made and are consumed and stars you know are born and die like it it's hard for us to think about there being phases to civilizations and histories being written and lost um but i think that these flood stories are are sort of inherently optimistic you know Mm -hmm. that maybe there is something better coming after the flood coming after the um you know the the calamitous event 
Like, finally, our world can start anew because we wiped out everything that was shitty about it. Right. With every act of destruction, there is there's potential for renewal. Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of apocalyptic movies kind of have. Like, once everything goes to shit, you kind of see how beautiful the world really is. Absolutely. Year of the Flood by Margaret Atwood. Not quite optimistic, but a great read. Yes. I have to recommend it. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. No problem. Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. <laughs>